Jesus, we thank you for your calling to be with you, Father. God, I pray you help us to honor you with our lives, with our words. God, I pray that through this moment of us just singing with our voices to you, that you are glorified and honored and praised with our heart and our thoughts and our actions in every way, God. God, I pray that as we go into this next part of the service, Father, I pray that you let your truth, your gospel, and your message be preached. God, God, I thank you for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You guys can be seated. No, thank you. Good job, worship team. I can't do it. I don't know. I was going to think about it. I can't. Huh? What do you mean it won't turn off? It's off, but it's still playing noise, right? Oh, it turned off. There we go. All right, cool. All right. How are you guys doing? So we are starting a brand new sermon series over these next four weeks called Let Me Sum Up. This, over the next few weeks, I just want to try, and this is going to be really hard, by the way, really hard or to try to sum up everything I believe is most important to you that I spent the last four and a half years teaching and preaching. And so here it is. There's nothing you can ever do to make God love you anymore. And there's nothing you ever do to make God love you any less. He already loves you more than you can possibly imagine. I broke it, sorry. <laughs> I didn't change that. I don't know. Oh, okay. But for real, okay, here's what we're going to talk about. Our mission here at Kuwaita Assembly, I'm, I'm preaching now. I'm, I'm talking. Yes, I am. Um, our mission here at Kuwaita Assembly Youth, Garrett says it every week, is to belong, make it, or discover hope. I actually got to read it on him. Discover hope, become like Jesus and make a difference. And so that is what everything over the last few weeks and months should be pointing towards is living those out. And so a, a more concise way to de- better describe what those words say, like belong, discover hope, become like Jesus, is three simple phrases. And you can see it right there. Everything is about being with Jesus, becoming like Jesus, and then doing what he did. And so those are going to be the topics that we hit over or that we're going to hit over the next few weeks. Because being a Christian, being a follower of Jesus, it should be summarized by those three things. Everything about coming to church, being a Christian, following God should be about doing those things. Being with him, becoming like him, and then doing the things he did. That's the process and that is also the reason why. Um, and so tonight we're going to talk about being with Jesus spending time in this presence, and then becoming more like him, and being created in his image, and then doing what he did by making a real difference in the world. Like that's one of our missions, is to make a difference. We do that by doing what he did. And that's what the disciples did in Luke chapter 9. They spent their time with Jesus, and then they did the things that Jesus did. So I'm going to share with you one of my favorite verses in Luke chapter 9, verse 10. Um, it says, whenever the apostles returned, if you have everybody you can turn to Luke 9, but it's right there on the screen too. When the apostles returned, they were doing the things Jesus did, by the way. When they returned from doing those things, they reported to Jesus all they had done. And he says he took them along 
and he withdrew privately to a town called Bethsaida. And then a couple, <laughs> a couple verses after that, in verse 18, it says, While he was praying in private, and his disciples were with him. That right there, like in the verse 18, I think it's on the next slide, that is probably the most central verse in all of the Gospels. It says, And Jesus was praying in private, and his disciples were with him. What do you mean? It makes no sense. You're right. That does not make sense. It means they were in private away from the crowds. They weren't in a huge crowd. They were withdrawn to a private place, and the disciples were with him watching him pray. And so everything the disciples did to make a difference in the world, and we did that in a World Changer series of how they actually went and they preached the gospel. People got saved. They healed. Everything the disciples did to make a difference in the world, it started with being with Jesus, withdrawing privately and spending time with Jesus. And so as I was actually writing this message, trying to sum up everything, I was actually reminded of the very first sermon I ever preached here as a youth pastor. It was June 12th, 2019. Some of you guys are probably in like fifth grade still at that point. Um, but yeah, that was the Wednesday before we went to church camp at Youth America. Do you remember? Who else was here? I think it was just Tucker that was in, in Brooklyn. Yeah, Josh was here. Yeah. The very first sermon I ever preached, it was a long, boring sermon. It was pretty much a research paper I could have turned in over you uh, about seeking God. That was the main thing, like seeking God. Like we're about to go to youth camp. It's going to be awesome. Let's seek God. So we're going to uh, dive into that and revisit that a little bit. Um, so whenever we think about the word seek, one of the first things that come to our mind when we hear that word seek is like hide and go seek. And so often in our world, like we get easily distracted, things don't go right all the time. When we hear the word seek, we usually think that means we search for something until either we get bored, we can't find it, we give up, we get distracted. Especially if you're playing hide and go seek in the church and someone's hiding behind something not supposed to be hiding behind. You're like, I can't find you anymore. And what's the phrase you yell when you're done seeking and you can't find a person? All the oxen free. I, I, I give up. I, I'm sick of seeking. I give up. Come out. Yes, and people should come out. Except Tucker, he, he hid himself behind that Costanza. And he, yeah, and you can't get yourself out of that. Like, um, so, but what does the Bible have to say about seeking? Because honestly, like, that's not what the Bible means whenever we, it uses that word seeking. But whenever we're talking about seeking God in the Bible, the Bible says stuff like this in my favorite verse in Colossians 3.1. It says, so if you've been raised, if you've been raised with Christ, seek the things above. Colossians 3.1, that's on the screen, or it should be. It says, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. And then my next favorite verse in Matthew chapter 7 it says, Jesus, he says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find and knock and the door will be opened. Yeah, sorry, we're not going through one thing. And then my other favorite verse, this is really one of my favorites. <laughs> Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. Jesus says, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all of these things will be provided for you. That's my favorite too. Don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow has enough things to worry about. 
So whenever we're talking about seeking God and seeking Jesus and seeking his kingdom, it tends to mean something way more stronger than just seeking things in our life. Like when you're looking for something on the internet and you don't find the exact result, you give up. You're searching for a friend, you give up. The word that the Bible is using, it's way stronger than that. It could actually mean more like require, crave, demand, or another word would be need. Like it says, seek God. He's saying like, make it your life to understand that it is really God that you need. Like you need God, so you seek him. To seek, it means to realize that he is really all that we need. That God is really all that we need. And I've got a lot of people looking in a lot of different directions. Let's focus right here for a minute. We are supposed to crave God, crave Jesus, and crave his kingdom. That's what it's talking about. To find all of your fulfillment in life in him. Not in anything else, but to find all of your fulfillment and have all of your needs met in him. And the disciples got that. The disciples understood the assignment. <laughs> they understood the assignment. But honestly, like literally they did. The disciples, they gave up everything to follow. I'm telling you, I'm summing up everything. <laughs> the disciples understood the assignment because they gave up everything in their lives to follow and to be with Jesus. Like in a very literal sense, they gave up their family. They left their house, their jobs, their careers. They left their house because why? Jesus says, follow me and be with me. Everything the disciples did after that came from that moment when they decided, I'm going to spend my time with Jesus. Um, and so they gave up everything. And so what does, what does the Bible say that we have to seek? Let's dive deeper into one of my favorite verses we just read. So Colossians chapter 3, verse 1 through 4. It says, So if you have been raised with Christ, seek the things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will appear with him in glory. I mean, we could spend all night just on that verse. But let's explain just a little bit of that. We don't have time to go into that in depth and full. But it says, if you have been raised with Christ. So the very first off, it, it, it's an identity statement. He's like, if you've been raised with Christ, like that is who you are now. In Christ, you have been raised with him. That's tying up everything about our identity in that statement. Saying that in Christ, that means you have died to your old self, and now you have raised to new life, and now you're actually seated in a position with Jesus in heaven at his right hand, co-ruling and co-reigning over the universe. That is summarizing all that. And so he's saying, like, if you've been raised, if your new identity is found in that, then we are to seek and he says, seek. And he says, seek the things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. And so we should ask ourselves in that moment, like, well, how do you seek the things above? What does it mean to seek the things above where Christ is? He explains it in the very next verse. He says, you seek the things above by setting your mind on the things that are above, on heavenly things, not on earthly things. That means putting God before your mind all the time. It means thinking about God all day long. Because what you behold is what you become. 
I want you to remember that, and I'll explain exactly what that means. But what you behold is what you become. Whatever you put in front of your eyes, whatever you put into your mind, whatever you listen to, the things that you allow to influence you will eventually, over time, become who you are. Like, we said it before, like, whatever you give you attention to. So that means, like, music, TV, TikToks, friends, whatever you give your attention to, that is what you'll be like. We've explained it before. Like, if you watch a certain person on YouTube or a certain person on TikTok over and over again, you'll begin to say the things that they say. You'll begin to pick up mannerisms that they say. You'll be, able to, you'll be influenced by what they do, and your life will look more like theirs because you become what you behold. We've also said it before, like, you are the average of your five closest friends. Like, all the friends we have, like you have around you, your five closest ones, the best ones, the ones who make straight A's, the worst ones who might go to jail one day. Like, you're the average of those five friends. Like, you're probably somewhere in the middle of those things. Because you behold, and we all know that one friend that might go to jail one day. I, got a, I had a couple of those. <laughs> but the only way, here's the main point. The only way to become more like Jesus, which, by the way, is the only way you make a difference in the world, is by spending time with Jesus, by being with him. And so practically in our lives, that looks like spending some time reading scriptures. That means like finding time every day to pray. That, that means listening to worship music in replacement of other music that might not be honoring God. It means seeking solitude. If we want to be serious about becoming like Jesus and doing what he did, then we have to first be serious about spending time with him. And so what does that look like? Like, what does that actually mean? What does Jesus have to say about this? I'm glad you asked. The word that Jesus uses is abiding, remaining. Abiding and remaining are words that Jesus uses to talk about how a branch has a relationship with a tree. A branch can only grow and produce fruit when it remains attached to a tree, right? Like, whenever a branch is on a tree, this is, this is like elementary logic right here. When a branch is on a tree, it is able to produce leaves and fruit or nuts or whatever. But what happens when, like, a tornado comes through and that branch is taken apart from the tree? What, what is that branch now? It's firewood, or if it's in my backyard, it's someone's new toy that he can, he can rip up and destroy. It's just a stick. Like a branch that's not attached to the tree is nothing more than a stick. <laughs> there went the tornado came through. So if you just put the mouse in the bottom right corner, everything will come right back. <laughs> there we go. But think about that. A branch, not a part of a tree, is only firewood. And so abiding and remaining are words that Jesus also used to describe your life with God. He uses it to describe your relationship with him, not just about coming to church or, or reading the Bible up, but about your whole life with God. So here's what Jesus had to say in John chapter 15. He says, remain in me and I in you, just as the branch is unable to produce fruit by itself unless it remains on the vine. Neither can you unless you remain in me. I am the vine and you are the branches. So Jesus said, like, I'm the tree, you're the branch. So the one who remains in me and I in him produces much fruit because you can do nothing without me. I'm going to say that again. For Jesus, for, for, for the kingdom of God, you can do nothing without him. 
He says, if anyone does not remain in me, he is thrown aside like a branch and he withers. And they gather him and they throw them to a fire and they are burned. Or if it's in my backyard, you're, you're eaten by my dog. If you remain in me and my words, and my words remain in you, ask whatever you want and it will be done for you. And my Father is glorified in this, that you produce much fruit and that you prove to be my disciples. Jesus said, like, if you want to follow me, here's what you can do. But here's how you prove it. It's by producing much fruit. Like, if you want people to see that you follow me, that you're a disciple, your life should produce fruit. And that only happens by remaining in him. And so in order to grow, in order to stay alive, like, actually, forget about the whole growing point. In order just to stay alive, in order just to not be spiritually dead, we have to remain with Jesus. And so remaining, here, here, I, here's what I want you guys to actually think about for your daily life. Remaining means more than just coming to church once a week. It means more than just reading a Bible reading plan. It's more than just praying once a day. Remaining is more than all that, but at the same time, it's less than that. I'm going to confuse you for a second, but I'm going to explain. Remaining, it's more than just coming and doing a lot more spiritual stuff. It's not about adding more spiritual things to your already over-busy lives. Remaining is that, but it also is less than that. Because it's a life that is devoted to Jesus. Remaining is a way of life that encompasses everything you think, say, and do. Now, here's how it's more. Like, if you don't read the Bible every day, then you probably should start reading the Bible every day. If you don't have a daily time where you set aside and pray, you should probably find that time to set aside and pray. If you don't listen to worship music, you should probably change your playlist where you can listen to things that are helping you glorify God with your life. But remember, it's not just about adding more religious stuff to your busy lives. Remaining is primarily about slowing down getting rid of distractions that are keeping your mind from focusing on God, taking deep breaths, and then clear, centering your mind on the things of God. It's not adding, it's replacing. That's exactly right. This is the only way that we become more like Jesus, and it's the only way that we make a difference in our world. And that's deeply what we want to do with our lives. We want our lives to matter. We want it to count. The only way to do that is by living the life Jesus asked us to live. And the only way to start there is by becoming more like him, by remaining in him, by seeking him. And so the good news, the good news is that that sounds like a lot, but then it doesn't, it sounds kind of confusing. But here's even some more good news, is that it is not all on us. It's so much easier than that. It's not about just trying harder and doing more. It's so much easier and simpler than that because God is always seeking us. And some good news for you is that God is always seeking you. Like, I want you guys to listen to me right now. Like, God wants you. He wants all of you. Like the good, bad, and the ugly, the part of you that you don't want anyone to know about you, that thought you had last night, that action you did last weekend, the thing that you don't want anyone to know because you are ashamed. And if I told everyone what that was right now, you would just melt in your seat. God knows that about you, and he still wants you anyways. 
He loves you enough to want to be a part of your life, but he also loves you enough to not leave you like that. He wants to form you more into the person he created you to be, which is in the image of Jesus. You don't have to clean yourself up before God wants you. He already wants you. He always wants you. And so in Luke chapter 15, there's three different parables about Jesus expressing how much God wants us, how much he's seeking after. He's just three stories to demonstrate how much he wants to pursue us. And so in the first story Jesus tells in Luke 15, Jesus is comparing God to a shepherd who lost a sheep. And so the sheep has 100 sheep, and then one of them wanders off. And now, like, in our logic, like, we think, okay, like, 99%, that's a pretty good return rate. Um, I, I think we're good with this. Let's keep the 99 safe. 99 is better than none. Like, let's go on. But that's not how they handled it back then. He says, the shepherd left the 99 sheep, and he went after the one, and he came back with the one. And then whenever he brought it back, he says, there was rejoicing. And once he, he rejoices, and he throws a party, and in the same way, God stops at nothing to seek you out. Like if you're lost, God is always right behind you and he's always seeking you. And once you surrender, all of heaven celebrates. There's a party thrown whenever we surrender and come back to God. And so in the second parable, Jesus compares it to a woman who lost a coin. Like we don't think that's a big deal. Like, yeah, we got coins all over the place. But this is probably a one month's wage. Like if you get paid $500 for the month or whatever, imagine losing that. So she searches the whole house. She tears it up. She lifts up the couch. She tears down a wall. I don't know what she does, but she tears up the house until she finds that coin. And it says once she finds that coin, she rejoices because what was once lost is now found. In the same way, God will never stop searching for you. He will seek you until the end of the earth to find you. And once he finds you, and once you surrender to his will, all of heaven celebrates. That's what Jesus says in Luke chapter 15. Matthew, if you want to come up. Okay. No, no coming up. Uh, okay. So often we fail. So often we mess up. And maybe we fail, or maybe we feel like we fail. Like, think about your own life. Maybe we feel like we fail God and we mess up because we realize I have not been making God a priority in my life. Like, I remember how much I loved God, how excited I was for him at church camp or the last retreat. I remember that feeling, and I just haven't made God a priority lately, and I feel like I am failing him. Or maybe you feel like you're failing God because you actually did something that was really big, something that was really wrong, and you know it, but we still feel like a failure. Turkey, if you want to go and come up for my illustration. Whatever the case is, there's sometimes we feel like, like we're going to pretend like Tucker's God. I know. Just for a minute. That's okay. There's sometimes we feel like <laughs> you live with him. There's sometimes we feel like we mess up. Like if we take a million steps away from God, that there's no point and coming back, because if we feel like, like if I turn away from God and I'm walking away from him, there's no point in trying to come back to God 
Because I have to take all these steps back. I have to clean myself up. I have to try to make myself good. I need to read the Bible more. I need to make sure I don't, <laughs> I, I need to make sure I don't miss church. We think we have to clean ourselves up. So there's no point in ever coming back to God because what's the point? We're just going to keep failing anyways and we're going to feel like there's distance between him. But the good news of the gospel and the grace that God has is that whenever we take a step away from God, God's pursuing us. We mess up. We skip church. We feel like we're failing him. And we think, okay, I took a million steps away from God. I'm running and I'm running. And I, I, I just need to turn back from God. But will he ever accept me? And all God is asking you to do is to repent and turn. And God is there waiting for you. Hi there. Thank you, Tucker. Not Tucker. Thank <laughs> I am not saying that. But that is not the case. And so tonight, the altar is going to look differently. I don't know if we have altar picked out. Acoustic. Okay, perfect. So tonight, the altar is going to be very simple. The altar is to come back to God. Pursue Him. To repent. That's what that was right there. To repent means to turn from your sin and to turn from God. Like practically, whatever that actual thing is, watching that show on the internet, watching that, or looking at those pictures you shouldn't be looking at, whatever that is gossiping behind your friend's back, to repent means to turn and leave that behind and turn to God. And so tonight, that is what I'm asking you to do for the altar. Whenever the worship team, they're going to come, they're going to sing this song, repent Turn from your ways and turn back to God. And then the practice, and here's what I want you guys to actually get from this. The practice I want you to actually do when you get home tonight, and you can get out your phone, you can get out your reminders, your calendar, your notes, whatever that is for you. Seek the things above and not earthly things. I know they're doing fun things over here, but pay attention right here real quick. Seek the things above, not earthly things. So practically what I want you guys to do is to find an actual time every single day that you will spend with Jesus. Like if that's first thing in the morning, right before you go to bed, maybe it's at lunch, find a time that you want to set aside to spend time for Jesus and put it in your calendar and make it a daily habit. Whether you feel like it that day or not, whether you feel good whenever you do it or not, make it a daily habit. And if you want to take it a step further, then find something in your life that is wasting time in your day. Like maybe it's scrolling TikTok, maybe it's playing Fortnite. And then replace that with time spent with Jesus. Whatever that is for you, replace it with spending time with Jesus. Because remember, whatever you behold is what you'll become. And we have so much more time in our day than we give ourselves credit for. We say, I can't pray, I can't remember, I don't have enough time. Replace it with something that's already distracting you. So tonight, the worship team, whenever they're ready, they're going to sing, they're going to play. And I want you guys to all stand, go ahead and stand, and I want you guys to come and do that. Find a place where you can just get away with God and to repent, and then find time in your daily life where you can spend time to be with Jesus. Jesus, we thank you so much for your goodness and your mercy. God, we thank you for your grace that is shown upon us, that we don't have to clean ourselves up to come back to you. But God, you love us the way we are to, to, to come into relationship with you. But God, you love us enough not to leave us that way. 
So God, I pray that as we turn to you, God, I pray you transform us by your spirit, cleanse us, create us to be more like your image so we can make a difference in the world for your kingdom. I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.